Hello, Diana. Hello, Lisa. Welcome to Should We? Creative conversations about the everyday choices that make us. Surprise, surprise, we have a should we question (laughs) for today. Here's the question. Should we be seen? So we got to talking about this because I had an experience the other week of going to get a new portrait taken by the incredible Helena Price, incredible photographer, incredible person. And it was really uncomfortable for me. She made it really comfortable uh, when I was actually there in the studio, but the before and after was really uncomfortable for me. This also happened about a year ago when Lisa and I did a photo shoot with the also amazing Melanie Riccardi. So I keep scheduling these photo shoots for some reason, and every time I dread them and then have like an experience afterward of reckoning with the proofs. And You know, often we're talking about this kind of vibrant, high energy confidence on this show and how, you know, forget the haters, we'll do it anyway. This is not my relationship to being photographed. And so I just want to be honest about that. And I thought we could go back in time to talk about our experience of being photographed together last year because that was a shared experience. Definitely. And also... I want to sort of like set the comparison to how we feel about listening to our own voices on this podcast. So in some early episode, I'm sure we talked about how we enjoy listening to the podcast ourselves. And like that was a surprise for us right from the beginning that like the very first time we recorded in the living room and then we played it on the speakers We loved it. We smiled, you know, and it was so different from that cringe feeling when you hear yourself on like a voicemail or something. Mm -hmm. It was like, I actually like my voice. I like the way I sound. And And I like myself like more than I even knew. Yeah. (laughs) And like we think the ingredient that made that possible is talking with someone you love who believes in you, you know, who makes you feel like your best self. That is fun, and so it's more fun to listen, at least for us. But I know that many people struggle with not liking the sound of their voice when it's recorded, and I've had that experience when I'm not talking with someone I love. I have to say I mostly don't have that experience. I truly love the sound of my own voice, and that is so refreshing to realize that it's just kind of a pure, pure no-brainer thing. Yeah, I think... It is going to be really interesting to talk about the very opposite of experience of looking at ourselves in pictures. And I'm right there with you. I have the same experience, like so much discomfort and fear leading up to it. Like once in a while, you know, working with a great photographer, I felt so at ease. And I'm like, yeah, like there's a really great Instagram video of um, Oprah like dancing while being (laughs) photographed it's like so fun you're like Oprah you are the best you're she's like so in love with herself at that moment 
And so, like, once in a while, I'll have, like, a tinge of that, like, yeah, I'm being photographed, and that's cool, <laughs> and I'm having fun, and the photos are going to be amazing because I feel my hair blowing in the breeze. <laughs> and that lasts for, like, two seconds, shorter than even than it took for me to describe it just now. <laughs> and then the aftermath is, like, complete terror while I wait for the proofs, and then receiving the proofs and feeling utter despair like that's me yeah and seeing things about the way I look that I didn't know that I wasn't like I get I look in the mirror every day and then just being like I didn't even realize I was shaped like that Mm -hmm. or that my face has changed in this particular way over a few years you know Yeah, and I think that for me, there's the dual shame of looking at how I really look and then realizing if I worry about this out loud, it's just going to play into the beauty industrial complex, so I better keep it to myself. Right, so then there's like shame about having shame (laughs) about the way you look in a photo. Yeah, yeah. So last year we booked a photo shoot for very soon after my company's big annual conference. So this was actually very similar timing this year. We, my company just had our big annual conference and Helena happened to be offering a day of portraits at a studio and I booked a slot. But last year I felt truly at my worst after several months of intensive effort leading up to this big conference where we always launch a bunch of things. And yet it was on the calendar. It was the right time to do it. And what did I want? I wanted beautiful photos for my website and our website. And I wanted to do it together, partly because of this insight that maybe we would create this comfortable energy and the photos would be better and more at ease because we were there making each other laugh, which I have to say did sort of happen. Yeah. I mean, I do think the photos captured our joy together. And mm-hmm. I, I only like the photos we're in together. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, and I, I like the ones that are just you, but I don't like the ones that are just me. Like, not because there's something wrong with the photo, but I guess, you know, it's not just like some perfectionist lens or like, I think I should really look a certain way or I should look like somebody else. I think part of it is just like surprise, like shock at like, I just have a a sense of what I look like in my head. And there's like a difference. Mm -hmm. There are differences when I see myself in a photo. And some of those differences may just be like sort of the distortion of photography, seeing myself as in 2D, mm-hmm. you know, seeing myself like backwards, isn't that, aren't you like? Re- Relative to a mirror, I think, yeah. Yeah, right. So there's that. And then there's like the changes that happen to your body and your face like over time that like if I'm looking in the mirror every day, I don't notice them and like my image of myself doesn't totally like update. And then I'll like get these photos and I'll be like, oh, I am three years older than the last time I really looked at a photo of myself and I look different, you know? Yeah, and I think that's exacerbated by the tendency, I feel, to 
just use the last professional headshot that I don't hate. Sometimes I refuse to use a professional headshot for the full year after it's taken and touched up and shared with me. And then a year later, I'm like, this is great. What a great headshot. Now I'll start using it. I'm still using a headshot that is from 2013, maybe 2014, but probably 2013. That's five years ago. Mm -hmm. And I think mine's from 2015. Yeah. And so I am really different now. I look different and I am different. I'm a different, I'm the same person, but I'm a different person. And so, you know, part of what was empowering about booking a photo shoot for the two of us last year and booking time with Helena this year is I don't have to wait for some organization to decide that it's time to give me a professional headshot. Sometimes organizations do, but then it's branded. It's in the aesthetic of the corporation. And I just find it very empowering to say, let's choose our own aesthetic. And I want to be sharing up-to-date representations of myself because, I mean, could make up a lot of stories for that. But one of them is growth is really important to me. So showing how I am now feels like the most accurate. Anyway, I remember last year I was really nervous leading up to our shared photo shoot. And then it was pretty fun while we were doing it. And then it was really confronting to look at the proofs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did it together. And like, each of our partners was, I think it was like Thanksgiving or something. Mm -hmm. We got together and like after we ate, like you and I kind of like pulled up the photos and also our partners were sort of peeking and weighing in a little and I just felt bad. I felt really bad too, especially because we'd invested a bunch in this photo shoot and I had sort of dragged you into it as my memory. <laughs> um. <laughs> You did initiate it yeah. in that you really wanted up-to-date photos for your website. And then, as you said, like, realized, like, oh, it would probably be more fun. It might work better if we do it yeah. together. So anyway, we were each having our own experience of sort of confronting what we each individually looked at. And then there would be some photos where, you know, you would look great and I would look off kilter, but... We both had to reckon with our individual reactions to how we individually looked and then try to come to an agreement on which, you know, it was eight or ten proofs to touch up. So we got, we made it through that, and I'm really happy with the set of photos that we ended up with. Yeah, and to be clear, it's not about the quality of the photos. No. The, the photos are great quality. It's like just how we see ourselves. Just how we see ourselves. So fast forward to this year... I realized that last year's photo shoot was very focused on lifestyle photos because the main thing that I was going for, in all honesty, was a giant hero shot for my website. I wanted a giant, lush photo that included me and a really interesting background to put at the top of my website, dianaberlin.com. And that speaks to, like, what is the point of all these photo shoots? Like, it's not like, oh, we just won't have glamorous photo <laughs> right. shoots or something. I mean, having photos of myself that I am proud of feels like an important part of achieving the goals I want to achieve and reaching the people that I want to reach and like leveling up you know I'm asked for a headshot often I was invited to speak they're like please send us a headshot today you know for the website um, I wanted to be invited to speak and then I wanted to accept the invitation and then I was like Ugh. 
but the photo. <laughs> okay, so this is kind of why we yeah. keep doing this. Yeah, photos are part of being visible in the world and online. It's this token that you can use on social media, but also that you pass around um, as opportunities come along. And I'm remembering this amazing blog post from Ellen Chisa, which interestingly references me, where she decided to invest in a photo shoot for herself of portraits. And she was like, well, how did I decide to do this? It's because I look around at people uh, I admire and respect and whatever they're doing, I'm like, oh, maybe like if maybe that doing that is part of getting to the next level or maybe doing that is a good idea. And I think I guess I'd I'd shared a, a headshot, a new headshot relatively recently at that point. And so she was like, oh, like, I guess having photos that you are happy to share of yourself is part of having opportunities. So we'll link to this post in the show notes because it's super, super relevant. Um, but I think that it's exactly what you're saying. It's like. If you want speaking opportunities, definitely you can go about that directly. And having some photos of yourself, having a bio prepared is part of being ready. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And certainly, like, there are lots of different ways to approach this. And some people use, like, an illustration of themselves or a, different representations of themselves that are not a photo or, like, a typical headshot. It's just I wanted that and I felt it was necessary. Yeah, and I want to catch myself and ourselves that it's not like a prerequisite to start speaking. No. 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 Put yourself out there however you want and chase after opportunities and you can figure out the uncomfortable parts later. Yes. You can always take a selfie last minute and many people do. Totally. I mean, you and I have been for years at a time giving out the same headshot that is not relevant to our <laughs> current body so that we can just do the so that we can we just do the do. thing yeah so it's not like it's not a prerequisite it's not a blocker I just wanted an up-to-date representation of myself and so when Helena advertised these uh, portrait sessions normally she does these sessions at companies where she'll do all of their headshots plus a bunch of lifestyle shots and there's actually a bunch of setup involved you know she has this whole uh, you know there's a backdrop for the studio shots and she's got an assistant and she's got a hair and makeup person and there's a, a producer who does all the logistics and coordination so it's a whole production And she had gotten enough people asking about doing one-off headshots, and she would tell them about all of the production of it and what it would cost to set all of that up for just them. And often they'd be like, uh, no. (laughs) Um, But they still really wanted to work with her, as they should, because she's amazing. So anyway, she just booked a day, and she was like, I bet there are, whatever, 20 people out there who've been waiting to get portraits taken with me. And that was exactly right. I had been in the back of my head planning on reaching out to her one day, but it was so nice when she just made that available. The day that she made it available happened to be on some wacky weekend. I think that it was the weekend before my company's big conference. I don't exactly remember the timing. I have a little bit blocked it out, but I think it was the weekend before and I needed to prepare to be in a keynote last minute, which was like quite an experience for listeners who've been following us for a long time. You'll remember what a big deal it was for me to be in my company's keynote last year. And Um, you spent weeks preparing. Weeks preparing weeks. Go back and listen to that episode if you're curious. It was quite a process. This year, 
I needed to swap in for someone last minute. And I was really touched to be trusted to do that. And I was like, well, I guess if other people believe in me, I also believe in me. I've done this before. I can do it. But I was still nervous. You know, I was like last minute gearing up to be in front of so many people. Last minute, it was like a few days. It was less than a week. Yeah. (laughs) So I was anticipating that. And at the same time, this photo shoot was just on the calendar. This was the day that Helena was doing it. And I'm like super pregnant right now. I was then and I still am. Not for much longer. That's how pregnant I am. Uh, He's going to come out, pop out any minute in the next few weeks. But I was super pregnant. But I was like, well, I bet that with a new baby, I'm not going to prioritize getting a new portrait taken. Looking back on last year, we got all these lifestyle shots, but I didn't really get a headshot. And so I would like a headshot to capture this last moment in time while I am the way I am. And probably the last moment in time that I'll be able to prioritize this for a while. Who knows? But it just seemed like, okay, now is inconvenient, but it'll probably be a little more inconvenient with a newborn or toddler or any time in the next five years. (laughs) Uh, So I was trying to be realistic. So anyway, I showed up, but I was a mess, you know, like emotionally a mess. And I wanted to have a pretty plain standard headshot So I was like, oh, how about my library of dozens of identical sweaters in every color, the J. Crew Tippy sweater, (laughs) which I learned about from you. And so I was like, okay, I'll get a forest green sweater and a gray sweater, but I haven't worn regular sweaters in months. And so I was like, that's fine. It's just going to be a shoulders up shot. But I I brought these two sweaters and they were like bursting at the seams, (laughs) you know, when I put them on over my giant belly. You know, there was hair and makeup there, so I got hair and makeup done. But it was actually really nice to be there because Helena creates this lovely, lovely atmosphere. But leading up to it, I was like, why am I doing this? I don't feel good today. I need to feel good in order to look the way I want to look. But I didn't feel good partly because I was worried about not looking the way I wanted to look. So it's very, very roundabout. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I left the photo shoot and I felt sort of like I'd been hit by a truck. Like, what just happened? And what will I regret? And I knew that one of the things I would regret was not like almost letting go too much and not managing my two differently sized eyes when I smile. So this is one of my photo hangups is that I think it's when I smile on purpose. Like, I don't know if it actually happens when I'm smiling and laughing organically. But when I smile for photos, demonstrably, one eye is always more open than the other. (laughs) And it's maddening to see. And if I really think about it, I can close the other eye an equal amount. But I have to be thinking about it. And I didn't want to be thinking. I wanted to be natural and happy and whatever. But after I left, I was like, I should have just buckled down and thought about it. Because and thought I, about your eye. And thought about my eye. And indeed, when I got the proofs back, I was like, the photos where I look happiest are the photos where I look completely off balance. I have a thing like that. One, so when I smile and I'm not thinking about it, one side of my Mouth turns down. It doesn't make any sense. One side's up, one side's down. I have this story in my head that it's because when I got my wisdom teeth out, when I was like 16, maybe they hit a nerve and like half of my 
mouth just droops or like I have a whole it's a whole thing and I'm like I don't know my smile is just crooked when I'm really happy but I don't like photos like that I want a symmetrical smile in photos that I'm going to distribute for professional purposes. And I think there's also another level of confrontation where I show these photos to people who love me and they're like, that one, that's where you look the happiest. That's where you look like how you look when you smile at me. I'm like, I look like deranged. <laughs> like realizing that the you that other people love is messed up. <laughs> I might start crying right now. Like, it's so crying, like, because it's so real. Like, it, I don't know. I, I don't know what to do about it. Yeah. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to be a person who's, like, propping up my smile. Yeah. Propping up half of my face or, like, always thinking about, like, how I look. I just want to be happy, you know? Yeah. And like, but facing myself as a freeze frame, 2D, crooked, smiling person is like very hard. What what should we do? Like, I don't know what to do. I'm realizing as you say that, that there are people who do like healing photography uh, it's basically like coaching plus photography to help you shift your relationship to how you see yourself. Uh, so that seems good. Mm-hmm. We, we probably need that. I also just thought of something that I literally just did yesterday. Do you want to hear about yes. it? I can't believe I, we're talking about this and I just did this yesterday. <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed about it, but this is the place to this share the things place. we're embarrassed about. So... Inspired by your experience around getting another photo taken, I I was like, can I do this myself in a way, like maybe having more control the whole time will help me feel better? I have this like little tabletop tripod that I just got for like $25 that puts my phone in it. So I, I put my phone in the tabletop tripod and I turned the screen facing myself and so I could see myself and then I just was using the self timer to like take photos of myself and I was like if I just you know put put myself in this corner of my house which doesn't look like I'm in a corner of my house maybe and like you know I can see the screen before the shutter closes Maybe I can create a self-portrait that I feel reflects the way I feel inside, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, it seemed pretty... I got some photos that I actually liked of myself. I mean, they're not professional. The color is weird. I'm going to, like, try to Photoshop <laughs> them, but I'm not a professional. We'll see. But I don't know. Maybe there's something about, like, spending time just with ourselves like seeing ourselves on camera yeah back in the day before cell phones that had great cameras I had a very unusual point-and-shoot digital camera as a teenager that had a lens that would flip 100 
80 degrees. And I spent a lot of time actually like in the, like against the bathroom wallpaper, taking self-portraits, taking selfies. And I would do like hundreds of these, you know, that's what I would do when I was procrastinating on writing papers. And it is really cool to look back at those, to look back at my my teenage self-perception. I think that it can be really meaningful to take ownership over your own self-image. I also think that there's something about like when I take photos of myself or when I represent myself, I have this very strong undercurrent of wanting it to be as flawless as possible. Like a lot of what I'm doing is trying to correct for flaws. And I think the hard thing is to realize other people just don't care. Mm-hmm. Like flaws are part of the package. They already accepted them. And part of what's painful about showing a portrait where my eyes are uneven to someone I love is them being like, this is you. This is the you that I love. I already accepted this. I'm not, I don't even notice it. I just see this person and it's who I love. You would think that would be so comforting, but actually it's really frightening for me to be like, but what about, why is that frightening? Well, I guess for me it's frightening because of like, I think I feel confident that I'm very self-aware about a lot of things. But realizing there are things that other people see about me or know about me that I don't know, Mm -hmm. it is scary. Yes, that's it. I think for me as well, realizing that there's a part of me that I wasn't paying attention to, maybe because I didn't like it, that other people totally see and accept. And the disjunction between those two things is really freaky. Mm-hmm. So I experienced something similar in this keynote experience where I had about a week to prepare and I just couldn't worry that much about it. I had a lot of other things going on and I was like, well, maybe if I just have fun with this, it will be better. But just the contrast to last year where it was like I literally described it as almost as tender as my wedding day. Like I sent epic emails to my newsletter uh, mailing list that were like about how much this meant to me. And, you know, I went through a whole journey of like, you know, realizing that what I was really afraid of was disappointing my colleagues. But if I just accepted that they wouldn't be disappointed, I could unleash my true full self on stage. And this year was so not that. Like, I was one of several people speaking in the keynote. I was one of the people who'd done it before and the others hadn't. And so I was sort of like the elder speaker amongst the colleagues of mine who were doing sections of it the way I was doing sections of it, rather than our CEO who does the main section. So I was like the elder one of us doing that. And so I felt sort of like... I needed to watch out for them instead of worrying about myself. And also, I just knew I could do it. Like, I ran through it the first day reading a script. And the feedback I got afterward was like, that was great. (laughs) You know, such great energy. Love Love the enthusiasm. Love the dynamism. And I'm sure that I was more dynamic because I was less afraid. I just didn't have time to be afraid. Mm -hmm. And I knew I could do it. I mean, last year I was speaking in an even bigger room on a stage that was in the round. So I needed to learn how to like pace around the stage. And it was a lot of things going on at once. This year it was like a smaller room and I was one of many speakers. And, 
at the end of the day, last year I like ran through this presentation with so many different people and got coaching and support and friendship from all kinds of different people who helped me realize that I was like holding myself to a standard that was actually harming the energy I was putting out. And it was this whole journey. This year there was no journey. I just like prepared it. I did it. I came up with some of my own jokes. I like joked about being pregnant on stage. I like did some physical humor. There's a point in the keynote where I got down on my knees and shook my fist at the sky. Uh, and oh my like, gosh, Diana. Yeah, that was all. I came up with all of that. I just could not have. It's not that I couldn't have cared less. It's just like I was willing to try anything because I just didn't have that much time to worry about it. <laughs> and I knew I could do it. I don't know. I keep saying that, but it's still so surprising to me. And the people who coached me through it last year, um, my colleagues who I care about so much and trust, one of them who I like didn't even practice with this time, but did like deep multi-hour practice with last year, was like, this year was better. <laughs> it was better this time. And I definitely, I stumbled on some words. I like messed up one of the transitions, but I guess I just seemed at ease. And that's all people care about. Oh my goodness, Diana. There are a couple things I wanted to say. Like the first one is about confidence. One of the most frustrating pieces of feedback I've ever gotten and have got received this multiple times is like, oh, like you're doing such a great job, but you're just not confident enough. You need to have more confidence. I'm sure I've gotten other very frustrating feedback too, but like that is such frustrating feedback because you develop confidence by doing things you don't know how to do that you're not confident about and succeeding at them or failing and realizing you're still okay and you can get back up and try again. And then over time you build confidence. Like otherwise, sure, I can like pretend confidence I can like try to get somebody to teach me how to act confident. But I just whenever I've received that feedback, I've just felt like what do you want to do? What do you what should I do like be fake? Like I'm not confident, but like why does pretending confidence have to be a requirement here? And that is so true and Uh, I can't remember where I read it, but something about the confidence-competence connection where it's actually like just focus on building your competence and then you will feel more confident. But as you're saying, confidence comes from being competent, which means you have to do it and maybe not be that great at it the first time or like care too much and try too hard. Last year, I cared too much and tried too hard about being in the keynote and it was good. I was definitely good on stage. But I had some tentative energy that I was pretending away. And I remember one of the pieces of audience feedback, because we get these verbatims from the survey people get afterward, was like, when that girl walked onto the stage, the energy just dropped out of the room. And that was so hard to hear after having put everything into trying to be... I, I watched my gesticulation. I watched my body language. I watched everything. And to hear the energy dropped out of the room was crushing. But, you know, I went through that whole journey last year and did a good job and got some hard feedback. This year, I don't even know what the audience said about me. I didn't even check. I don't even know if I can check. It's just not on my radar because I know it was good. 
And part of why it was good is because I knew I could do it. And I knew I could do it because I did it last year. But when I did it last year, it was a whole epic journey that ended in somebody, one person feeling when that girl walked on stage, the energy dropped out of the room. I have a a related story. I feel like this episode is probably, I I am not keeping time right now. This episode is probably getting long, but I can't help it. I think you're going to love this story. Do you want to hear it? Of course. You kind of know about it through Slack, but I'm going to get to tell it out loud now. Okay, so I recently spoke at a conference. I was pretty nervous. It was in Germany. Like, I always try to think a lot about my audience and what their needs are. And because, like, I'm not German and I only ha- I have limited experience in Germany, I was like, I don't really know this group. Like, I don't really have confidence in designing a talk like for them that will resonate but I'm just going to do my best so I was pretty nervous about it but I did have some confidence in that I've spoken at conferences before I did like medium amount of preparation but a lot of thought about self-care like getting there and being in the right state of mind and everything and then I get there and it's like super fancy. There's like a backstage, there's a hair and makeup person. I got to wear the cool mic that goes right around your chin, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and then uh, like I, and like right before I was supposed to go on stage, I was like, oh my God, I just have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> like run to the bathroom, come back, and then it's time to go out there. So I walked out into the wings, which there was no curtain. So everyone could see me standing in the wings while the other person is finishing up. And a producer runs up to me and whispers in my ear, I'm so sorry, there is an emergency. We can't open your slides. Can you wing it without them? And my whole presentation was designed around me pointing at things. And there was so much in my presentation of like, as you can see here, and as you can see there, and now look at the difference here. That was my whole thing. My whole thing was pointing. This was kind of like my worst case scenario. But for some reason, I just, I I felt like so grounded. And I just looked at her and I was like, no. I can't. I need my slides. And she was like, okay, we'll figure it out. And so they had, well, actually, I went up on stage because it was like a last minute thing. Like, I go up on stage and we try to do the QA first, but then the MC is like, uh, this isn't really working because I haven't seen your presentation. And so, like, I go off stage and they're like, we're going to have the next speaker speak. And then I went sort of in the back and I had my slides in Dropbox. Thank you, Dropbox. And sent them again and they figured it out. And then I came back on stage again and did my talk. And let me tell you, I am so happy that that happened to me. It's like when I I used to be a dancer, it's like falling on stage. You got to just fall on stage once because then you'll know, like, no one dies usually you just get back up you keep going whatever it happens but this being able to be like kind of the worst thing happened I almost didn't have everything I needed for this talk and it went great and they loved it I am just 
I'm so happy and grateful for that experience. And I have a lot more confidence now in my ability not only to be a speaker, but to kind of roll with whatever happens. And yet, a couple weeks later, they sent me professional photos of myself on stage, and I hated them. You know, like, why? So there, there are, we have some things to wrestle with. Yes, very much so. I mean, I guess there's always a next frontier. <laughs> <laughs> but it does just feel like we should be over it by now or oh, something. Oh, yeah. should we should have we? figured this out already? <laughs> um, clearly, we just haven't. Yeah, we just haven't. And I think that one place that I really want to work on this is it's common for new moms to not want to be in photos because you feel like you should be back to your old self, but you're just not. It takes sometimes never, but it takes like at least six to nine months to kind of return to something that resembles the old you and you'll never be the old you. Like find a new normal. Like find a new normal. And so what happens then though is that there's lots of photos of the baby and no photos of the person who carried the baby and what if the baby would like some photos of them with their mom yeah so I would like to at least be in the mindset of capture everything and then decide later like maybe Mm -hmm. put them in a metaphor dropbox put them in dropbox put them in a box for a while and then later like a year later two years later five years later decide whether I am okay with them yeah, like a time capsule. Yeah, but I do think, as I as I say that, I'm less precious about personal life photos. For some reason, I'm mm-hmm. really touchy about photos that are supposed to represent my professional self. Yeah. I often have this urge to sort of like tie something up at the end of an episode. And this is so unresolved mm-hmm. for both of us. And so I, I guess I just want to invite our listeners, like, I don't know, if this resonates with you, you've had similar experience or... If you've found a way through, like if you have ideas or things that have worked for you to help like uh, create a, a, like a healthy relationship with images of yourself, like I would really love to hear about it. You can, you can write to me at lisa at shouldwe.co. And I want to see it too. So write to hi at shouldwe.co and then you'll oh, get great. both of us. <laughs> <laughs> great. I need tips. Yeah, send us some tips. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Diana. And thank you, Women's Audio Mission. Thank you.